0: Welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. My name is Keith and this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to see through it and to see God, not to it to primarily look at it and see ourselves. All right, so we're in the middle of the book of Job. So remember this middle section of Job, Job chapter 3 to 37 are these speeches between Job and his friend. Now, I just want to say If you are not reading these chapters as you're listening, we ask that you would read, right? Because Job is just so much more difficult to follow if you're not reading and kind of connecting with the words on the page as you listen to our words in your ears. And so, um, yeah, we ask that you read and Job has been so good, right? And I think uh, there's this question that comes up in the book here in chapter 21. Right. And so Job is speaking. And I think the question here is this, what happens when what we know contradicts what we experience, right? What happens when what we believe cognitively and how life in the world behaves experientially seem to be out of sync. Right. Um, you know, remember, that one of the big themes in Job is not only why do the righteous suffer, but why do the wicked prosper? Right. And in Job 21, this is essentially what my man is saying to Zophar. Right. So he's going to push back on everything Zophar had said previously, and we talked about it some yesterday. Um, And here he's like, fam, everything you said about the wicked not prospering in their deeds boomeranging back on them he's like fam that isn't what i see when i look out into the world right that's not my experience right and so he'll say this why do why do the wicked continue to live growing old and becoming powerful their children are established while they are still alive and their descendants before their eyes their homes are secure and free of fear no rod from god strikes them in other words he's like this The wicked still have their kids. Mine have had funerals and they're long gone. Right. The wicked still have their homes. My home has collapsed, caved in on itself. They have cattle and wealth and means and money. And I went from having that to having nothing. The things that we seem to say that we know contradict my experience. And what's crazy is that's not that's not even the worst part. Job is going to say this he's gonna say yo look at verses 13 to 16 and 21 he's gonna say hey they spend their days in prosperity and go down to sheol in peace they go down to the grave in peace yet they say to god leave us alone we don't want to know your ways who is the almighty that we should serve him and that we will gain what will we gain like and what will we gain by pleading with him in other words What Job is saying is these are not just well-meaning people who aren't believers. These are God haters. These are people that are hostile to the almighty, who could care less about the one true God of the universe, who deny any validity to the faith. And Job is like, how do you make sense of that? Right. So Job looks around and he is going to give example after example of how wicked have the wicked come out of this life unscathed. And Job's observations on life pointed to facts that could not be accounted for in the worldview of his friends. And, you know, what's interesting is um, Job, <laughs> I guess a, a small application is Job provides a soft and unintentional critique against the prosperity gospel. Right. Right. The the, pos- the prosperity gospel is this false belief that, yo, if you serve God, he will bless you materially. Right. He will prosper you in this life. And that's not necessarily True. Right. And Job's case is exhibit a Job 22. And um, this the section of Job 22, uh, Job 22 starts and it marks off a new section in the book of Job. And um, it is the third and final round of the speeches. Right. So we are back at the top and we find that Eliphaz isn't saying anything new. Now, remember, I, I mentioned before that the speeches are like this escalation. Right. So they go from uh, kind of soft rebukes and um, general rebukes rebukes to um sharp rebukes and and now very specific uh indictments of job and the sin that he most likely committed and why he's experiencing this right so he says yo for you took collateral from your brothers without cause, stripping off their clothes and leaving them naked you gave no water to the thirsty and withheld food from the famished while the land belonged to a powerful man and an influential man lived on it eliphaz like the rest of his friends once again can't seem to wrap their head around this idea that job's circumstances don't reveal evil in his life and he feels the need to assert specific ways job has probably sinned right and now these are all unproven claims right they just flat out aren't true because we know like I said before we know the real the uh, whole story and aside from being misunderstood Job is now falsely accused and so Eliphaz is going to encourage Job to essentially repent right and he will be restored now Job was not the one who needed to hear this maybe there's somebody else out there in the world that needed to hear this but at some point and I want people to remember this at some point we have to ask ourselves is good medicine good medicine if it's given to the wrong patient right this is good stuff that he's saying but it's just given to the wrong person so in a sense it's not good medicine it's not doing job any good and in 23 i love the bible because it's so real in 23 job is going to answer or at least he's going to speak again and if you look carefully unlike the other speeches of job He's kind of going to ignore (laughs) what was previously said, previously said. And, you know, he doesn't really respond as much as he longs for God to make himself known in this specific moment. Right. So verse three, if only I knew how to find him. Right. So that I could go to his throne. Verse eight, if I go east, he is not there. And if I go west, I cannot perceive him. When he is at work to the north, I cannot see him. When he turns south, I cannot find him right God is omnipresent but right right so he's omnipresent meaning there's no place in the universe where he is not but even though he is everywhere suffering has this tendency to make him feel like he is nowhere right and so we said it before God feels elusive to Job Job feels abandoned and forgotten by God and in 24 Um, not only that, we'll see that suffering and affliction, um, you know, makes the goodness of God obviously seem cloudy, but it makes the wickedness of the wicked seem ultra clear, right? Notice how in chapter 24, Job is going to clearly identify, you know, ways in which he can see the injustice in the world right the exploitation and the oppression that takes place right verse three they drive away the donkeys owned by the fatherless and take the widow's ox as collateral they push the needy off the road the poor of the land are forced into hiding the fatherless infant is snatched from the breast the nursing child of the poor is seized as collateral You know, we know that all throughout the Old Testament, God has this special heart for the poor, the widow, the fatherless and the foreigner. And three of these uh, groups of people are mentioned here. And so Job is going to give us this insight that sometimes our own suffering can make us more sensitive to the suffering going on around us. Now, that's not always a bad thing. However, um, this suffering makes Job lament right? He laments the injustices and the problems and the evils he sees in the world. And it's shocking that in spite of what he is going through, he says, he seems to say that there are a ton of other issues in the world that seem to underscore and further prove that God isn't just, or at least his justice is too far delayed, right? And so what I love about this chapter is that is the fact that Job Understands these are problems, right? And we should as well. But I think, again, it is functioning in this chapter to show that, you know, Job feels as if it's not just his problem, but it's other people's problem as well. However, once again, Job doesn't have the full picture, right? Understanding that there's suffering in the world should not push us to despair, but it should push push us to go deeper. It should push us into depth into the person and work of God. Why? Because of the gospel. In the gospel, God deals with the ultimate injustice, the ultimate problem in the world, and he had to punish sin. And he did so by coming into the world as a man, taking on the sin of humanity, and in that he promises to come again and make all things right. And the funny thing is, observation, mere observation won't tell us this, right? Merely looking at the world won't help us with this, right? We have to look to the word, right? More than simply looking around or even looking in, we must look up, right? We must remember who God is. We must remember what God has said. And we must remember what God has done. This is our ultimate consolation. And this is where our faith must lie. When you look around today and you see the sin that is in the world and you look around today or you look down today and you see the suffering that is in your life. I just want to remind you to make sure you look up as well. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you help us to set our face um, in your direction. Help us to remember what you've done in the gospel. Help us to remember the promises you've made and kept and the promises you're making now and that you're going to keep in the future. We love you and we ask that our vision would be corrected. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.